Hello, everybody. My name is Eric. My name is Nick. And this is the least looking forward to talking to episode I've ever had in my entire life. I am not looking forward to having <laughs> this conversation whatsoever. Are you upset? I'm pretty upset. So we're going to talk about uh, some Bearcat sports. We got some. We're talk mostly about basketball. We will go into football. Uh, but first, I, I kind of want to frame this in uh, a retrospective. Uh, time is interesting. Time is interesting because if you look back three years ago or four years ago, whatever. Um, well, let's go back for time simplicity. Let's <laughs> go back three years. Okay. It's 2018, uh, March 2018. We were coming off a season where we were a number two team in the conference or not in the conference, in the NCAA tournament. We won our conference regular season tournament. Uh, things were looking really good for the basketball program. Uh, just had a really good year. Then you look at the football program, and they weren't doing too well. It was Luke Fickle's first year. Now, three years later, it's the complete opposite. Uh, the basketball team is in freaking shambles, and the football season is coming off of probably one of the best seasons they've ever had. And we will get into that later. But the year for basketball, the regular season, was uh, pretty disappointing, all things considered. Yeah, why'd they start off so slow? Well, I think their problem was, and I don't know why they – did this this is very head scratching for me so obviously with the coronavirus a lot of things got changed a lot of things got switched around um they moved a couple non-conference games back a year some of them they kept the ones that they play the sec like georgia and tennessee they kept but they moved back the louisville game which was supposed to be a big deal they moved that back to the next year but they didn't really schedule their second game was the crosstown shootout uh, to me, you would you wouldn't want to have that as your second game. Uh, typically, basketball programs, unless there's some sort of special event or they get invited to some sort of like you know special inner conference, you know, big dealio. Typically, you start your season off with a bunch of non-conference um, bad teams. They come in, collect a check, and get beat. You know, it's good practice. And then you go into playing your your tougher non-conference ones like Xavier. Uh, like for example, for this year, Tennessee and Georgia, they just had one game before the Crosstown shootout. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. How many games did Xavier have before it? Xavier had like six. Wow, that's... <laughs> it, it's vastly different. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Let me double check. I just want to get uh, my numbers correct. One, two, three, four, five. So that was their six games. So they had plenty of you know, practice coming in and they were playing again, they were playing small, um, schools to come in, get beat up, take a check, go home. Although they did play, no, that's Tennessee tech, not Texas tech. Yeah. They just played a bunch of chumps, uh, and then before playing us. So they had a lot more experience going into the game. And the fact that we didn't have any fans at all didn't help for that game in specific. That game's a very, you know, uh, the fans play a big role, I should say, in the Crosstown shootout. I always like those games. Those games are fun. We went to the one uh, 2019. That was a great game. Always a interesting atmosphere. They didn't start off too well. Uh, they had a bad record going into January before. They took tw- basically 25 days off for COVID purposes. They came back, won like four in a row, had a pretty good run. Uh, then they ran into Houston, got blown out. Um, 
finish pretty poorly with a couple bad losses and then went into the conference tournament at like 10 and 10. Um, they eked out a couple close wins against SMU and Wichita State with a combined, what is that, combined four points margin of victory. So they very slim uh, wins, and then they got romped by Houston again. Those were good games, though. I watched uh, watched the highlights on those. Yeah, they were. Um, funny story, though. Uh, I was sitting on – I was doing some stuff during the first game against uh, SMU, and they were up like 20 points or so. And I'm like, ah, oh, this game's over. It was like 15 minutes left. The game, ah, it's over. And then and I'm, I'm kind of not focusing on it, and all of a sudden I hear Dane Horde on the radio go, and now it's a six-point game. I'm like, well, shit, now they actually might lose this. <laughs> can always lose yeah well we're used to big losses in cincinnati we're used <laughs> to heartbreaking uh blown leads as, as they say um but yeah what did you see out of like the highlights that you saw i don't know the names but who who is the the blonde kid blonde kid saunders oh yeah saunders that dude was all over the place he is super fast he's he's pretty slick yeah um, um He's one of the ones transferring, right? We'll get into that, but yeah, he's one <laughs> of the ones transferring. I yeah, don't want to get into that. He was he played well, I thought. In in all the highlights I saw, he was he was the one that stood out to me. I think one thing I I noticed in particular, um in watching their highlights, two main things is number one, they don't have any bigs. They do have a big. They have one big. What's his name? Vote. And he didn't yeah, have a good year. He didn't play a whole lot in the the tournament games he didn't uh i think he's got foul trouble problems a lot of big men do but um he looks kind of terrible out there though you're not the only one who thinks that he's gotten a lot of heat from bearcats fans he looks just kind of kind of slow and not i don't know like not coordinated i don't well, know he, to... he he plays like a very traditional center <clears throat> if you think of it in like nba uh standpoint he's not he's not a shooter um, he's got he's a terrible at the free throw line, uh, but he's he's really good uh, close to the basket, uh, but he's not the best rebounder. So yeah, it seems like he lacks athleticism. Yeah, he shot thirty five percent from the free throw line. Yeah, but that's like it. So you got him, Eason, who was another good freshman. Uh, he was there, I guess, power forward. And then you got Mamadou Diara. That that was your that was the forwards they had all year. Those were their only bigs, and those dudes aren't that big. Six eight, six nine. Yeah. I mean, you don't, especially in like the, how the game works now. You don't really have to have a seven footer, but you have to have people that are athletic enough to um, still defend the post. Right there, uh, the NBA has really transferred to a lot of high-volume shooting threes and a lot smaller lineups, but the college game still has a lot of bigs, um, bigger bigger lineups, traditional. Um, a lot of teams still play two-guard, two-forward centers. Uh, some, and the, But even still, other teams who don't have the same height still play three guards and two forwards. Yeah, I, I think it depends on the system, how the, you know, the system runs, but... Um. I I can't remember when was the last time UC had like a really good big. 
What do you mean bigs? We've had good forwards. Like a center. Oh. Probably we don't Kenyon usually Martin. have very... Or no, Jason Maxiel was probably our last really good big man. And he wasn't that big. <laughs> no, and, he, and like even uh, like Gary Clark played great at forward. He's only like 6'6", 6'8", somewhere in there, depending on shoe size. So he's not particularly big himself. And yet, yeah, Maxiel's listed at 6'7". But I think that's probably our last really good, like, big. Because even though he's, you know, Max Seal was a small dude size-wise, he was he was a heavy dude. Like, he could – he was a force in the paint. He was pretty athletic, so. That's the yeah. thing. If you, if you don't have the, the, the height down there, if you have the strength and the athleticism, then you can do a whole lot. Yeah, you don't have to be seven foot – to do a lot of good things. I mean, typically, like, the years that Taco Fall played for UCF, usually it was Gary Clark, who was, like I said, six 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 eight in shoes. He was the one guarding him one-on-one, uh, <laughs> which is, I mean, he had pretty good success on him overall, but, you know. Um, yeah, so the one thing I noticed was Biggs. The other thing I noticed was they didn't really have a good number one scorer. Yeah, I just watched the highlights, so obviously I don't see that from the highlights. Um that's that feels like it feels like that's what um UC always relies on having one good scorer. Yeah. And you said that in the past and I agree cuz those Sean Kilpatrick years he was primary scorer um did a lot with the ball and then typically the guys around him played uh supporting roles on defense and some minor offense, some yeah, shooting. Just looking at the stats it looks like they they handed off who was like the main scorer different games yeah um compare that to the two years before where jaron cumberland was basically running the show <laughs> yeah everything um, ran through him yeah it was yeah it was, like i said i said this before it was every time he got off the court it was like okay when's he getting back on because the offense was not nearly as good yeah um but in those two wins in the the playoff games or the tournament games they were playing like really aggressive and fast you know well, I think they kind of had to because they, they don't have um, the height, the inside presence. I, I'll tell you what, one thing I noticed, um, they they play at a much faster pace uh, than prior Bearcats teams have. Because Mick Cronin's game, uh, whole game was you play really slow, um, control the game with defense. Uh, John Brennan does not have that methodology at all. <laughs> His thought is uh, – high volume threes and, and quick transition plays yeah that makes sense the faster game is, is mimics the the nba more it it does but i don't know how successful that is at the college level it's not gonna be unless you can get good players yeah and uh um, it seems like that's gonna be a problem for uc going forward now we'll get into that and they got i mean this team was pretty young overall uh they only had two seniors um two juniors most of the most of the team freshman and sophomore and there were uh, plenty of games where the second half was mostly played by the young kids so um i don't know weird times i was reading some some about the the conference and i guess it was pretty controversial that wichita wichita state had first place well was it controversial i thought I, I thought that made sense i thought they were uh they had the best conference record didn't they uh yeah i think so but I don't know. People are saying they were weak compared to Houston. That's the whole thing is that, like, yeah, our uh, basketball conference probably isn't as strong 
as um, some of the other ones like, you know, the ACC or Big Ten, Big East, all those are probably better in terms of basketball. Um, the good teams are really good. And the, these conference schedulings are always dictated by like a conference record. So Houston, they were ranked higher, um, had a much different non-conference schedule than Wichita State. And it's, you know, games got canceled and stuff like that. So it's always a little bit different. Yeah, I guess it's a, it's weird when games get canceled, especially in a, in a sport like basketball where um, it's kind of, you know, you, it's, it's there's like a flow to how, how your team's doing. And if, if games get canceled, you can't get that rhythm. Exactly. And just kind of looking at – so I'm looking at the breakdown of like the standings, and it's like Wichita State. They had a – I mean, mathematically, they had 11-2. and two. Houston had 14-3, and three, so – that's a percentage difference of like 14 points or, or 0.024. Um, so very slim difference, even though they had a Houston had a much better like overall record. They were 24 and three compared to Wichita state 16 and five. Like the number of games is way off. Right. Houston played many more games. So I could see, I could see how, if you didn't understand how like the, whatever writer who wrote that article, if they didn't understand how this works and, they could, I could see them being upset. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I can see people complaining about it, though, because, I mean, UC beat Wichita State in the tournament. Yeah, and on paper, like, Houston by far is the best team in our conference. I don't know. It's just – They had a better – better what what's that called? Point differential? Yeah, they had a much better point differential. I'm sure if you go across the board, the numbers are much better. It's crazy to see how how much UC has changed in terms of their their program. How they used to be such a strong defensive team, and now they're probably one of the worst in the conference. I mean, that's kind of like what I said, like at the beginning. You know, three years ago, completely different. We finished top five, and we played in our like teams conference tournament. That's not bad. Those aren't bad things, right? But after what we're going to get into next, it sounds a whole lot worse. <laughs> um, so for those who don't already know, pretty much half of our team is leaving next year. More than half, probably. So so when I looked, like, earlier in the day, it was like four people were transferring. Mm-hmm. Or, like, yesterday I was looking, it was four people, and then by the end of the day it was six. <laughs> yeah. Within, oh, like, like, a three-day time fan, we lost six scholarship players. This does not include those two seniors who are – by default, leaving the program because their thing is, you know, their time is done. How often and does that happen where that that amount of people leave? I, I read somewhere that out of the 350 or so Division One basketball programs, 59 of them had five or more players transfer out last year. Oh, shit. I don't know if that's accurate or not, and I'm sure none of them are, like, bigger programs than us. Like, I know Wichita State did that. They had a lot of players leave. Uh, after they had, they had a weird situation, they uh, had their coach fired or, uh, yeah, Greg Marshall, uh, he left a bunch of players transferring in and out. Like it was a whole weird situation. Um, but like much different than I think what we're going to have to deal with because I, I don't know. I, so I did all the, I did all the counting and, since John Brennan took over the program, 
in early 2019, 15 players have transferred out of the program. Yeah, a lot of people left when he first came, right? Or before he came. Yeah, uh, I think word on the street, you know, he came in, and then I think immediately five players transferred out immediately before the season even started. And then there, and then last year during the season, there was one year, uh, one player who transferred from Valparaiso, and then he just he's from Spain, so he just like left and went to go play professionally in Europe. And then we had a couple players leave the program during the year this year, and then a bunch of people are leaving afterwards. You know that kind of side point, but that um, people leaving for um, to play professionally in in Europe and not even going to college to play professionally outside and then making their way into the NBA. I feel like that's going to kill a lot of these kind of smaller college teams. Um, you mean like really, huh? Like us? Yeah, because you're you, we're going to be missing out on a lot of these recruits. Like they're going to, you know, go to those better schools now. Well, yeah, it, it makes you wonder because you've got like the level of talent is going to move up. So the kids that are the Zion Williamsons and LeBron James, those who just would have skipped college altogether. Um, those players are now going to be able to go straight to the NBA again, I think starting in, in at least in a couple of years, and then they're going to go, and then that opens up more, you know, spots for the Dukes to pull in the best high school talent outside of that. Yep. Uh, and then you've opened up Europe, you've opened up China, you've opened up Australia, you've opened up the G League. There are so many other avenues that players can go to that like, it's almost like the talent pool is going to change. Um, and, it kind of reverts it back to what it was in like the early two thousands. But at the same time, kids have all different avenue, other avenues, you know, it's less taboo to go to Europe. It's less taboo to go to China now. Right. I mean, and I understand why they do it. You know, you're going to get paid. Um, you know, if you're already good enough, you're going to get drafted. Mm -hmm. You just have to not get injured. And yeah. if you go to one of these smaller leagues, you're you're going to be able to put up big numbers. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're really that talented, right? Yeah, and instead instead of like playing a year in college where you get some really nice exposure, you get, you know, you get you don't get the the G League players don't get the national exposure that like the Duke players do, uh, but at the same time, NBA scouts don't really care about that. They're still watching G League tape and they're still watching uh, European players play. Yeah. So, have any of these players said why they're leaving? Like, probably the. I think the it's season? still a mystery. I don't know. It's it's very obscure how it just kind of fell apart so quick because there's footage of all these players after they beat Wichita State, like celebrating in a locker room. Like, if you would have told me after watching that footage, hey, six of these dudes are leaving, I would not have believed you. So, I kind of wonder if. Maybe the way that they lost against Houston probably contributed heavily because uh, they got blown out by, what, 35 points? I mean, they got blown out similarly during the season too, right? Exactly. So that's two, um, two embarrassing losses to a really good team who we pretty much owned in the past. Our record against them is like, I don't know, like 35 and 5 or something, or it was at one point, something, something ridiculously skewed in our favor. So I I have I have no idea why they've all decided to leave. I know well, two of them are brothers. So if one's gonna leave, 
the other one might join them wherever they go. Eh, I don't know. From what I've seen from like you know other teams that have lost people, um, you know it's either you know playing time or the team is just not good. They don't trust the coaching staff. Well, that's interesting too because I could, we could talk about both of those points because. I hear what I, what I kind of think is the problem with John Brennan is like uh, recruiting coaches. He only can bring in guards. He can't bring in bigs. Um, I think they've only brought in like a handful of forwards since he started. But most of the guys he's playing and bringing in are like, you know, mid-sized guards. They can shoot and they're athletic. Sure. But at the same time, all these dudes got to play minutes. And so if they're all coming from one or two classes it's going to be very hard for each of them to compete so if they're not going to get the playing time that they want they might just think to go elsewhere how many of the people are leaving or were were like starters two of them i think one of them didn't even play the entire year um i think gabe Matson opted out of playing in like december Mason Madsen started a couple games. Tari Easton was on and off starting throughout the entire year. Mike Saunders started one or two games, if I'm not mistaken. So they're not—they weren't like the full-time starters, but they played a lot of minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it it would be pretty. It seems like it'd be pretty devastating to lose some of these guys that like you're planning on building the the future team off of. Yeah, it's it's this is like the third or fourth major rebuild we've had to do in like the last five years. Because after, after 2018, we lost Clark, Washington, and Evans. They all left the program for the NBA. Um, yeah. Two of them graduated. One of them left early. Other than that, you know, it was like, okay, you're, you're losing three starters, but they can, they, you know, they just replaced with underclassmen, and they had a pretty decent year after that. Then McCronin leaves. So you're now you're restarting the whole roster all over again. Um, and then a bunch of people left because they graduated last year and then now a bunch of people are leaving for reasons unknown. Yeah. It'll be interesting if, if that, you know, if it ever comes out, why people transfer, but it doesn't seem like people often talk about why they transfer. No, I don't, I don't think that's a typical talking point for people uh, after they leave a uh, sport program, unless it's like a super high profile. Yeah. I mean, you, you do hear it more about why people do it in, college football i feel like i don't know why but i feel like i hear about it more in college football but i never hear about it in basketball besides like when it's playing time i think i think the stardom in football is a lot higher than basketball oh man i don't know another thing about john brennan i I, you know i kind of wonder let me let me rephrase what i'm gonna say i kind (laughs) of wonder whose fault it is because i because at the same time these kids that are recruited into the program they're not always recruited by the head coach often assistant coaches will go out and do the recruiting and then they'll meet with you know the coach himself um but a lot of times they're brought in by assistant so i kind of wonder you know what case it was on each individual if they were brought in by the head coach or brought in by the assistant and then they just you know had difficulty with one or the other i would assume it's probably the former uh, of those two scenarios where assistant coaches went out to recruit players, brought them in, and they don't get along with John Brennan. Yeah. That kind of seems more logical to me, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I guess you'd have to look at each individual case. 
Yeah, and that and that's I don't know if that information's readily available anywhere. I just saw an article that said there's some kind of let's see, the title is The Rift with Cincinnati Bearcats coach John Brennan that led to a mass exodus of basketball players. I'm gonna have to read that. I wish I would have read that before <laughs> <laughs> before we did this. What is it really interesting to talk about? Uh where'd you find that? Uh it's on the the Bearcats subreddit. Yeah, oh, I they have a they they have a subreddit? You didn't know that? I did not know. It's it's uh there's a paywall though for the article. Oh really? It's on the Atlantic, but uh Oh, they always yeah. A lot a lot of the the articles about the Bearcats are behind paywalls. I've noticed that. Another thing too that sucks about the uh the Bearcats is that like a lot of their games got put on ESPN Plus. <laughs> yeah. So like that was difficult. You had to pay for an extra uh Extra six bucks a month to watch them watch some of their games. I don't know who's in charge of that, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I'd really want to know what was in this article. Yeah, maybe maybe one of us will uh, pay for it and then take screenshots. Uh, let's see. Somebody on here posted a little snippet or a, like a too long didn't read. It said deep culture issues, pitting players against each other, irregular practice schedules. Many saying they left only because of him. That ain't good. But there's no no sources in in the article. But who who would, who would put their name out there saying yeah. these things? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I've seen. I think. I think with social media, people are more uh, have greater access. I should say to players. Like I've seen. I've seen some leaked uh, Instagram messages between like Juju Smith Schuster. And um, some people saying, oh, where are you going to sign? He's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to sign with Pittsburgh or Jacksonville. It's like, oh, so you, you know, you can just you can just ask people straight up, like, hey, why are you leaving? Let's see. I found another thing um, about a list of stuff about the, the program. This is all on this subreddit. Um, it says, one, players felt a little neglected by the coaches during COVID isolation. This is one of the reasons why they held player-only meetings. After meetings, they told the coaches, and only after this did you hear about meals and things being delivered to the players. Weird shit. Two, players felt like he quit on them in the first game in Houston. I took that to mean he quit coaching after the score got out of hand. This is the other main reason for the meeting and why they banded together. Three, the coaches never really tried... All right, That's this is horribly written. They didn't really try. <laughs> <laughs> the coaches never really tried to form any relationships with the players. It was all about business. Four players were not communicated their roles. Mikey was upset to the point of tears after several games of starting the first two to three minutes but never put back into the game. This started the process of unhappiness. Five, one of the coaches sent a text that was meant for a recruit who went to a player instead. The text was bad-mouthing Harvey and listing all the things he didn't do well and why they needed the recruit. Players Jesus began Christ. losing their trust, feeling like they were being undermined. Harvey then opted out. <laughs> no shit. I would I would have left too. Damn. Yeah. That's like – some of that's like recruiting shit. Like, oh, my God. I think – you don't know what goes on behind those closed doors with bat, like college sports recruiting. I, I, don't, that's, I saw a whole documentary on um, – Lermy Tunsil and his um, time at Ole Miss and just the stuff that goes on. I don't even want to know. So like, 
hearing this is like, okay, that's no surprise. I kind of don't want to hear that anymore because that just makes me feel bad. And I'm sure that, like, I'm sure Huggins and Cronin did shit like that, too. So it's not, you know, this isn't a new thing. I'm, I'm sure this happens in all programs, yeah. Uh, number six, Keith and coaches argued all the time in practice, and his walk off the floor during the Wichita game was an, not an injury. Uh, I, I, From what I heard and then seen on social media posts, I think that was assumed to be an injury, but damn. And seven, coach walking off the court the last game against Houston was the last straw. He walked See, I, off the court. I, I, I watched. Well, I watched the first half of that game, and that game was so. I kid you not. That game was so bad. Me and my dad were like, "All right, let's just watch." Like Jurassic Park was on. Like, let's just watch Jurassic Park. I will have a better time watching this and watching this terrible game. Jeez. <laughs> that okay. So I think that I don't. We're gonna assume with rumors that we not all of this may be true, but if we take this at face value, that none of that's any good. Even like going on the subreddit and and seeing like this post from this was a direct message from one of the the that Mike Saunders, uh, he posted on a story. Sad things had to change, but nevertheless, I will always love for this city and the fans. Someone responded with, "Is it Brennan? What changed, man?" And he just said, "Bingo." So, <laughs> sounds sounds like sounds, sounds like, like there's like a common theme. Yeah, I mean that kind of validates all this stuff, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if that's if it's if it's coming from the horse's mouth, if you're getting it straight from uh, straight from the mouth of the river, then it's you know pretty much confirms everything. Uh, it sounds like uh, I don't know, like you know, how do you recover from this? It sounds like they're sounds gonna, like a he, fucking mess. <laughs> he should he should be they should be evaluating his position now. <laughs> they should be. Uh, they should also. I don't know. It, I think to field a decent team, they'll probably have to get a bunch of Juco players and, you know, players off the transfer portal, which, like, a lot of uh, – transferring is a lot more common these days than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I think with coronavirus, they're letting a lot of, uh, like, waivers go. Like, oh, this this team is short a player. We'll let your transfer waiver go because they need an extra man to field a team. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just – I don't know. It it feels like it's going to be a while till they rebuild. Yeah, especially if they uh sounds like keeping this guy around ain't ain't any good. Like who who the heck is going to want to come here? <laughs> I mean, after that under this administration, probably nobody. I don't know. I like Nick Van Exel. At the same time, I think I brought this up before how college coaches from their alma maters it's it's mixed success. So it's not I'm not entirely sure what's the best answer here, but it don't seem like Brandon's gonna be here for the long term, especially with all that. If any of this is out in the public. Yeah, yeah. After seeing all this, after everybody leaving, it just seems like there's no way you can come back and you might as well Yeah, like you're gonna have to rebuild anyways, might as well cut ties with them. Yeah. This this seems like a uh, bad hire. Although I, I did hear somewhere that the you reason you they didn't uh you can't hire Nick Van Exels because he didn't finish his college program. But I thought he played his full years at. See, so he was a graduate transfer. Or, um, why why does that matter? Why does that matter, though? I don't know. Maybe it's some rule that you can't be a college coach unless you graduated from school. Just any school in general. Really? 
You have I to guess have a degree? That, that seems crazy. I guess. I mean, does Penny Hardaway have his degree? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I, that could be incorrect information. I don't know. But I don't know. They, it, something's got to change. Uh, I do want to pivot from something less depressing to something uh, very optimistic. Uh, that's our football team. Football was really good last year. The exact opposite of what it was three years ago. They played really well. They had a really good year. They won their regular season um, and their conference championship. They got a really good Peach Bowl appearance, although they got kind of screwed over in the pullings. Uh, some of the logic behind pushing uh, chump Iowa State over them was beyond ridiculous. But <laughs> nonetheless... Uh, they had they played a really good game against a really good Georgia team. Uh, lost by three points. The last safety, whatever. Um, lost by a handful of points on a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day game. Very, very, very positive. I forgot that was the, like this season was when that all happened. It feels like so long ago. Well, it was. It was on New Year's, so that was like um, was two and a half months ago. It's not that long. <laughs> I know it doesn't feel that long, but in these weird coronavirus times, oh, yeah. time is time is a weird concept. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, our starting quarterback Desmond Ritter uh, went to Twitter to say uh, a very positive and uh, very uplifting message. Uh, he just said nipple. What, what does that mean? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I have no idea. It just says nipple. I, it's a tweet. I've seen it. Oh, it's great. Jeez. I have, there's no context behind it. It just says nipple. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm loving it. Oh, my gosh. That could that could be anything. I know. <laughs> that could be good. That could be bad. But I don't know. He, he seems like a fun guy. Uh, I think the short term looks really good. We did lose our... Defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman, who was very highly praised over the offseason to Notre Dame of all people. As unfortunate that it is, I think they got a really good chance to kind of go back to another New Year's Six game. I don't know if they're going to crack any national championships as of right now. They have, they have, you know, a decent schedule having to play non-conference games against Indiana and Notre Dame. So it'll be uh, very interesting to see. Uh, how this plays out. Unlike the basketball team, they play a couple uh, chump games before getting into the big ones, and then they start conference play. In theory, they should be on a more regular schedule with coronavirus kind of, fingers crossed, coming to an end with more cases, or cases going down and vaccines, uh, vaccines going up. So hopefully this is all, you know, all in the rearview mirror, and we'll have a regular uh, regular football and basketball for next year. Yeah, and I think it's going to be kind of weird, really, for some of these guys. Like, you know, they couldn't showcase as much as they, they probably wish they would have been able to because of, you know, games getting canceled and such. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost a couple games um, to coronavirus. Uh, and I, what I thought was really weird is people uh, – People thought it was a good idea for us to kind of reschedule games. And they're like, no, don't do that. Do not do that at all. Um, 
like when games get canceled, do you want to throw one on the schedule? No, no, you don't want to do that. Because uh, if you lose, you're fucked. <laughs> uh, BYU did that. They were probably they were in the same kind of like uh, area we were in terms of ranking. Uh, they had a game get canceled. They scheduled like Coastal Carolina, who ended up being a top twenty five team, and they got like beat, mm-hmm. and that just ruined their entire season. So, uh, really glad we didn't end up doing that. Yeah, who who are we losing? Um, who are the seniors? I guess Keith Williams. Well, Keith Williams. Are you going back to basketball? I was talking about football. Yeah, just just I just want to cap it off. Okay. Um. Yeah. For yeah. I I'll, I'll let me wrap up football real quick. All right, I'll let you do that. All right. I mean, football, I mean, it should be a good 2021. I where we go after that's up in the air because I don't know if Fickle's going to stay for a fifth year. He could get some looks. Um, but sky is super bright. Next year should be fun at least for the start. Uh, but now circle back to basketball. We are really only losing two seniors, so we're not getting screwed over on that end like we were uh like the year before where we lost like f- five players to graduation. Uh, we're only losing Keith Williams and uh, Chris Vote. So on paper, not too bad. But that's eight people. <laughs> but that is eight eight scholarships gone. That's like half the team. That is literally half the team. That's more than half the team because you only have fifteen play. Typically, fifteen players. So if you lose eight, that's more than half your team. <laughs> that's uh, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, I, it's it's very it's very like I don't know. It was very interesting to dissect that uh, and kind of detail why all these bad things happened. But but what you said about okay, I'm flipping around a lot. But what you said about Fickle and leaving um, for another team, it feels like UC is always like a stepping stone to to the next <laughs> program for a lot of these coaches. I I think yes in football, not so much in basketball. You got to remember, Bob Huggins was fired. Like Bob Huggins didn't leave willingly. That's fair. I think Bob Huggins was the last one that was like, well, that Bob Huggins era was like, you know, I don't know, the last time UC was like really thought about in the big national scale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The conference USA days were, if I'm not mistaken, that conference had some decent. Decently fielded teams. I believe we were in there with Louisville, uh, Memphis, um, and some other decent programs. Whereas now, you know, after the Big East collapse, we're not in a nearly as good a conference, even yeah. compared to then. So, yeah, because of that we're, we're not in a Power Five, that's a detriment. Um, I think it might be scary. I don't know how Houston's – I don't know. I think – we're kind of getting off topic, but uh, <laughs> it may be possible that if our football program does well enough and our, you know, we may end up getting picked up by another conference, a bigger uh, one. I'd be surprised, but I would. But like, think about like like Houston is really good in basketball, but they're not any good in football. I think when it comes to this conference alignment, I think that for the most part they prefer football. Like Big Ten is definitely football focused, but Big East at the same time is also basketball focused. So. Right. ACC is kind of a little bit of both. It, it, it can cut it different ways. Um, but, yeah, uh, I don't think – I don't know. The McCronin thing is kind of weird because I don't know why he left. Uh, I think his I – don't know, I don't know if I entirely trust his reasoning when he said that, you know, he always wanted to coach for a big school. And, you know, UCLA with their history, it's pretty good. 
um, you know, staring up at those banners compared to ours. No, it's no contest. <laughs> Not the rag on our team, but like <laughs> UCLA had a really good run in the sixties and seventies. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would agree a hundred percent in football. We are we are a jumping off point in terms of coaches, maybe less so in basketball. Yeah, it's just kind of annoying. It is. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I mean, it, it that kind of makes sense though that you say that about the football because you know UC has never really been known for football, but our basketball team is actually like you know we have history. Yeah, we had history. We got some uh, good players that have come through the program. Um, uh, player of the year, college player of the years come through. Um, we, we're one of like the 15 highest uh, win totals. We've got one, like a fifth third arena has got one of the best home records in the country. Like there's a lot of good positive things about football or basketball compared to football. Ah, it sucks. We missed out on the tournament though. I'll say that. Yeah. It's um, like the first time in a while, right? We First time since like 2010. Damn, wow. Yeah, I didn't know it was that long. Jeez. Good old Lance Stevenson. Well, everybody missed on the tournament last year, so it's a it, free that, year. Yeah, that doesn't. <laughs> that's crazy. Is it uh, UCLA is going? Aren't they? Aren't they? In it? Uh, yeah, they're played. They actually play on the tonight. We're recording this on the 18th. They play uh, Michigan State as a as the 11 like buy-in, whatever it's called. Yeah. Where the like two 11s the first, play and then the first four. Yeah, first four. Uh, so they play. That so, that'll be interesting to see how they do and where they will match up if they win. Uh, I might try to stream that. Just uh, that might be interesting. Yeah, and I'm not like I'm not. Uh, I, I actually really liked McCronin. Uh, I thought he was a pretty smart guy. I wish he wouldn't have left, but I'm not mad at him for leaving. This is like <laughs> a Brian Kelly situation. Yeah. Uh, a Brian Kelly or Carson Palmer situation. Oh, stop. Nick, do you have anything else you want to say about our? collegiate football team and basketball team uh no nothing more now just uh hopefully next year's better for for basketball hopefully yeah, something uh, changes yeah uh final thoughts it's going to be rough for basketball football's looking good weird how times change that's our final thoughts on this one all right i think that's going to wrap it up everybody thank you very much for listening and have a good rest of your day <laughs>